This is our first session on Colossians 1, 15 to 18. And we have just seen what the Son did, the Son of God, did to deliver us from the authority or domain of darkness. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness or authority of darkness. He's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son or the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And now it's as though he wants to say, and do you realize who it was who did that? Do you realize the majesty of the one who did that for you? Because this is probably the most majestic description of the Son of God in all of Paul's letters, perhaps in all of the Bible. And it begins like this. He, or who, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all those authorities from which he delivered us, he made them. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So this is to say, the one who just did this great deliverance, this great transfer, this great redemption, this great forgiveness for you, he is preeminent in the universe. All things hold together in him. All things come from him. All things are for him. So that's the big picture. Father, as we take it a piece at a time, reveal the glory of your Son to us, that we may worship as we ought, be humbled as we ought, be bold as we ought, be obedient as we ought. I ask this in his name. Amen. And the first thing he says is, he is the image of the invisible God. In other words, God is invisible. God is spirit. If he is to be known, he will be known by the putting forth of an image, and that is Christ, his Son. So God is invisible, and he has a firstborn, recall, a son. And this word firstborn here is, is just an ordinary word. When Mary had Jesus, he was called her prototokos, her firstborn. There's nothing fancy about this word in and of itself. So let's ask this. When it says that this image of the invisible God, namely his son, and that's the way fathers can often be recognized or sons can be recognized because they look alike, right? This firstborn is said to be firstborn of all creation. 
That has caused a lot of people to stumble because it could sound like he is part of creation. In fact, there are sects today, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, who would argue from this and several other places that Jesus is not very God of very God. He's not the uncreated, eternal Son of God. He is the first creation. He is the firstborn as part of creation. Let me give you four reasons why that won't work here in this context. Number one, the ground for calling him the firstborn of all creation is because by him all things were created. So this all creation here was created by the firstborn. You can't have the firstborn being part of creation and the firstborn being the creator of all of creation. That's the first argument. This ground clause here eliminates, Paul intends for us to know that when he calls him firstborn of creation, he doesn't mean firstborn as part of creation. Firstborn can refer not only to the simple meaning of the first son born in the family, but it comes to mean without any reference to biological derivation, the very highest status. For example, in uh, Psalm 89, 26, 27, he, the son of David, shall cry to me, Father says, you are my father, my God, the rock of my salvation, and I will make him the firstborn. I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Now, that very likely means that he will take the son of David and he will make him the supreme over all the kings of the earth. And firstborn has come to have this meaning of the very highest status over any group. So back here to verses 15 to 18. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, having the highest status over all creation because of this ground clause and because that wider meaning. Here's a third reason I would say it doesn't work to call him part of the creation. The word of, representing the genitive case in Greek, in both Greek and English, can have different meanings. Like if I say block of wood, you know that the block is part of the wood. It's made of wood. And in that case, Jesus would be part of creation. But if you say the coach of the team, you don't mean that the coach is on the team. You mean the coach is over the team. The coach and the team are not the same. If I say I'm the coach of my son's little league team, then you don't mean I'm a little leaguer. You mean I'm over it. And therefore, there's nothing unusual at all about understanding this as over. Firstborn over all creation. And here's the fourth reason I would say it doesn't work to say that the firstborn is part of creation. 
because just a few verses later in chapter 2, verse 9, he will say, in fact, he says it in 119, but this one is even clearer. For in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This book, as clearly as any book in the Bible, declares that this image and this firstborn are God. Christ, the Son of God, is God. And therefore, this does not mean the firstborn as part of creation. It means the firstborn over all creation. Now back to image. He is the image of the invisible God. What does that carry? What, what meaning does that carry? Here's John 1.18. No one has ever seen God. In other words, he's invisible. The only God who is at the Father's side, he, this is the Son, this is the image, he has made him known. So the point of image here in reference to invisible is he is making God visible. The incarnation, the coming into being of a God-man, Jesus Christ, who is very God and very man, makes the invisible God knowable in a way that he wouldn't be otherwise. Or here it is again in John 14, 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I have shown you the Father because I'm here. Here's a beautiful description of who Jesus is as the image of the invisible God. He is the radiance of the glory of God. So God's glory shines forth in Jesus. And he is the exact imprint of his nature. So the glory of God shines forth in the sun, and the nature of God is evident in his exact imprint in Christ. One more, Philippians 2.6. Though he was in the form of God, he, Jesus, was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to, but he emptied himself and became a man, took on human form. So, repeatedly in Paul and in John and elsewhere in the New Testament, the invisible God is said to be made visible by an image, and the image is his son, his firstborn, and that son is over all creation, distinct from creation, because by him all things were created. It was the creator of the universe who delivered us, who transferred us out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son, who redeemed us and who has forgiven us, 
It is a great salvation because it is done by a great Savior.